If you would now please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, I will be reading verses 40 through 45. Hear, for this is the word of the Lord. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, that is Jesus, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Thanks be to God for his holy word. The problem that is raised in our passage this morning is a similar problem that we face constantly in our world today. The problem is illness and its widespread effects on human life. It is tragic when illness and disease comes upon us or comes upon those closest to us. It is no light thing and should not be taken lightly. It ought to cause us to take time to reflect on our own lives and what or who we cherish the most. It ought to lead us to reflect on our God and what He originally intended for our creation and how illness and disease was not part of it. In God's creation, illness and disease came into existence because of sin. In God's creation, without sin, illness would not exist. And so he demonstrated this throughout Israel's history. As a nation, with her moral, civil, and ceremonial laws, Israel was to reflect God's plan when he created Adam and placed him in the Garden of Eden. Without sin and pure, without any sickness or disease. And Israel was also to reflect his plan at the end of history and what is to come. Without sin, without illness, and without disease. Israel was to be undefiled and unblemished, not only by sin, but unblemished by illness and disease. In particular, what we find in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, she was to be undefiled by leprosy. There were 72 distinct diseases which would have been considered leprosy at the time. 
It was a, a skin disease that eats away at human flesh, and it was practically incurable. And here in, in Leviticus chapter 13, there's an entire physician's manual to guide the old covenant priests in how to determine if it was leprosy or not. Now, I'm not going to read that to you right now. You can read that at your own leisure. But here we have the story of a leper who comes to Jesus by faith. He came to him wanting freedom from the disease and freedom from the isolation and rejection he felt by others because of the disease. It says, And the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Because in actuality, this is not really a story about a leper and his disease. Just like sermons are not meant to be sermons about you and your problems only without a solution. The problem of disease is a problem for sure, but here Mark wants to present the solution to the problem. This is, just like every other story that I, I preach to you, is about Jesus. It is a story about Jesus. This story reveals some things about Jesus and his character. It reveals about who he is as both human and divine. And it reveals this in three different ways, which I will reveal to you as I go along. Then he ends this story by giving him a command to follow. Because after Jesus reveals himself to us and we place our faith in him, he expects obedience from us. But the sad reality is often we do not obey Jesus after professing him to be our savior. So first, this is exactly who he reveals himself to be. This man's savior. This leper identifies Jesus as his Savior and the one who has the power and the authority to make one clean. Resting in him, he says, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Because in the ceremonial law, the leper was required to wear torn clothing and a piece of that clothing would cover his upper lip. His hair was to hang loose, meaning it would be a mess, kind of like a, a bedhead. That is when you first get out of bed and uh, you forget to comb it. Imagine this is the style nowadays for young people. But, but leprosy was a serious illness to the point that the leper would be cast out of his community, outside the temple, and outside the gates of Jerusalem. He would no longer have access to his family, his friends, or the gathering of the saints for worship. When you hear that you have been pronounced a leper, it would be the worst news to hear. Similar to when we hear from our doctors that we have a serious illness. <coughs> but not just because of the disease for the leper, but also because of the isolation that follows 
which makes coping with the disease so much worse because you're left all alone. Now, many in the last year and a half have felt just a taste of what this feels like. Complete isolation. And what makes it even worse is not only that they were sick, but the lepers were also required to cry out, unclean, unclean, to let those around them who were clean, that they were coming. And they had to keep 50 paces between themselves and those who were clean to make sure that the leprosy didn't spread. See, this was much more than social distancing. And it was far more isolating. So you might say to yourselves, well, this sounds cruel. This is awful. How can God do this to someone? Well, we need to be careful here. We need to be careful. Before we start shaking our fists at God and blaming God, let us not forget one crucial point that I mentioned earlier. And that point is sin. Often it was believed that leprosy was brought upon the person due to their own grievous sins, but sometimes it was not. So either way, this disease is a result of sin, either the sin of the leper or the sin of Adam, which all men share in. Either way, when we face illness and disease in this world, we're not to blame God. We must not forget that God is holy. This means that His presence is absolutely holy, perfect, and pure, where nothing, no illness, no disease, no sin can enter there. And God is not to blame for neither sin nor its effects on the world. What God intended for man and his creation was that man would have dominion over his creation and be holy as he is holy. And for man to be clean, not unclean. He was meant to be whole. He was never meant to get sick. But man disobeyed God. Man turned from God and now we all face the consequences. And most importantly to understand about the leper is that in the Old Testament, the leper stood for something. The leper was a symbol of something. In the scriptures, he symbolizes someone who is cut off from fellowship with God and his people eternally. So he's an earthly and worldly representation of someone who is cast out into hell and who suffers there eternally, tormented for his sin. He, he is cut off from the people of God and from God himself. He is in a worldly and living hell as a picture of eternal hell. 
And this is a picture of what you and I both deserve. We all deserve the fate of this leper, but for eternally, for eternity. No one deserves neither good health nor heaven. This is what our sin deserves because God is holy. Let us not forget that first important and crucial point before we shake our fists at God, before we blame God. If we do blame God, we need to repent. We need to repent. But notice what the leper does and notice how Jesus responds. It says that the leper came to him, imploring him, that is, asking him to do something out of desperation. And kneeling, said to him, now this is a beautiful picture of a needy sinner before God in prayer. Right? Jesus opens himself up that we can go to him in desperation. Go to him in prayer. This ought to be what it looks like in our own prayer closet, saying to Jesus, if you will. He doesn't treat him like a genie in the bottle, right? He's not there to serve our will. But he goes to him and says, if you will. He considers Jesus first in his plea. He doesn't say, you are obligated to me, Jesus. And to what I want, he says, if you will. Because it's all up to him. He comes to him broken and at the end of himself. How often can we save ourselves? That we have come to him at the end of ourselves, broken, down. How often can we say that our pride has been torn from us and we can go to him and say, if you will, in desperation, you can make me clean. And we see the heart of our Lord. And what does Jesus do? How does he respond? It says, moved with pity, or better translated, with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will. Be clean. Because God is not only holy. He is not only holy. But he is also compassionate. Hearing our prayers. Hearing us when we come to him. And this is what Jesus was displaying. This is the nature and character of God. He is a compassionate Savior. That is our compassionate Savior. When we come to Him asking in desperation over our own souls and our own state in this world because of sin, kneeling in humility before Him, yet with confidence. He came in humility. He was at the end of Himself, but He was still confident, not in Himself and how He came, but confident in Him. That he is an all-powerful, merciful, and compassionate Savior. If we say to him, if you will, you can make me clean. He will respond to our needs as well. Maybe not right away. Maybe not in the way we want him to. 
But one day, one day, He will make us clean and pronounce us clean. He will save us as He saves this leper. As it says, and immediately the leprosy left Him and He was made clean. He was restored. He was brought back into society and fellowship with God and His people. Now notice that the word clean is used here. This is used to bring our minds back to the law that we read earlier in Leviticus. When the priest pronounces whether or not someone is clean. What Jesus is demonstrating here is that he could do what the law couldn't do. The law couldn't restore or save anyone from being cast out. The law can't do anything for you either. It can't save you. The law cannot save you from hell. The law just told you who it is will be cast out. The law tells you if you sin against God, you are going to hell. That's all the law could do. The law only condemned the leper. And the one who was to determine who will be considered a leper and who wouldn't were the priests, either Aaron or one of his sons. But here the leper goes to Jesus because he could do not only what the law couldn't do, but he could do what the priests couldn't do. The priest was only there to observe and conclude whether or not someone has leprosy, then pronounce a judgment to safeguard anyone else from getting it. That's common sense. That, that was commanded by the law. He wasn't breaking the law by, by pronouncing someone a leper and, and setting him aside. He was doing what he was supposed to do. But Jesus, as both God our Savior and the High Priest, our High Priest, heals him and then pronounces him clean. No mere, no mere man can do this. No priest could have done that. So we see a second point of revelation here. He did what the law couldn't do, freely as our compassionate and almighty Savior. But he was also saying something about what was to come in the future for himself, that is Jesus, and for the leper. And I would add, for all of us as well. He was saying something here. Because it's great that he healed the leper temporarily. This leper would eventually die like all of us. So when he said to the leper, I will be clean, he was saying far more than that moment. He was speaking into the future as well. When you read the ceremonial law, the leper uh, presents himself to the priest. And if uh, the priest sees that he's been healed, what happens next? There are sacrifices made. There is a, a ritual washing of his body and clothing. There is an atonement made for sin. And that blood of the sacrifice of three unblemished lambs are placed on different parts of the tent of meeting before the Lord and on the leper's body, like on the lobe of his right ear, on 
and on his right foot. That's significant for what he is saying here. That's connected for what he is saying to this leper here. When he says, I will be clean, it wasn't just temporary. He was saying, I am going to make you clean and heal you, not just right now temporarily, but as I promised to remove all uncleanness, I will heal you for eternity by taking your place on the cross. By becoming the atonement for your sin that follows presenting yourself to the chief priests. He was saying, I am going to bear the judgment of the law for you. I am going to bear the judgment that you faced when they pronounced you a leper and cast you out. I am going to freely become what you are by nature. A man who is under the judgment of God's law in order to save you and give you freedom and life more abundantly. Not just now, but eternally. And he promises this not only for this leper, but for all of us who come to him by faith. The sinless becomes sin for us. Because just like the leper who was cast out, Jesus will be soon cast out. As he also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Because all of Jesus' miracles always connected somehow to who he is and what he has come to do. We can't think of any of his miracles without that. Who he is and what he has come to do. He didn't just heal this leper because he was a good guy on a good day. And it was the right thing to do. No. But it was to show his compassion as our Savior, his glory as our God, and to reveal what he has come to do in bearing the sin and the effects of sin for all who call on his name. Because he doesn't just die on a cross. Remember, he also suffered on the cross. He also suffered worse than this man who came to him as a leper. Instead of leprosy, his appearance will be so marred by the hands of men, it says, beyond human resemblance. All for this leper and all for us. This is connected to his sacrifice on the cross and that he will bear the judgment and this leper that this leper deserved and he will truly cleanse him forever. And he will bear the judgment of the law that we all deserve in order to pronounce us clean forever. For eternity. Thirdly, we see another revelation of who Jesus is. He is not only our compassionate Savior. He is not only the bearer of the judgment of the law. But he was also greater than any other prophet. He was greater than Moses, Elijah, and all of the priesthood. One of the false accusations that the Jewish leaders and priests would later make against him was that he was a breaker of the law. 
He broke the Sabbath because he healed on the Sabbath. He made himself equal with God, so he was a blasphemer. But there is another one here in this text. When he healed this man, it says that he stretched out his hand and touched him. And that would have made Jesus unclean in their eyes, or so they believed. But it didn't. It didn't. What happened? It had the reverse effects. It made the leper clean. He could have easily healed him without touching him or or even looking at him. But out of mercy, compassion, and a challenge to the fallen nature of the old order of things, he reached out and touched him and healed him. He restored him. But the question that's probably running through our minds is, was he breaking the law? Well, no. No, Jesus always kept the law in its entirety as a man. At the time of Jesus, laws surrounding leprosy became a ritual taboo. Right? Uh, there are a lot of taboos even in the Christian church. Uh, I can write you a list. Well, stay away from there. Christians don't really go there, right? There's a lot of ta- so so the law was used for taboo. They 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 weren't really doing it out of love for God and His holiness. And if you notice from the reading earlier, you you are not pronounced unclean from just touching a leper. You are pronounced unclean when the priests actually see the leprosy on your body. Then you are pronounced. Unclean, But to their minds, they were jumping ahead. They were jumping ahead. But Jesus would tell the leper to keep the law. He wasn't breaking the law. He told the leper, now keep the law. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. See, at this time, Jesus was hiding his identity from those around him because they wouldn't understand what he was there for. They thought he was there to just give them stuff and heal their bodies. They were there for the signs and the wonders. They thought he was there to liberate them from Roman oppression and worldly tyranny. They didn't think he was there to free them from their own sin, its effects, and what it deserves. It sounds like the majority of people in churches today. They want the healing. They want the stuff. They want liberation. But they don't want to heed the word of God that comes from Jesus. How many churches we know today that fall on either one of these spectrums? They either go because they want the healing, they want the blessings, or or, or they go for politics. But they don't want to hear what Jesus actually has to say and what Jesus actually did and who he is. 
But when they find out that is not what he was there for, they would later conclude that he was a law, lawbreaker. And to make matters worse is that he tells the healed man to obey the law of Moses and present himself to the priest for the cleansing ritual. Why would it make it worse? You're probably asking. Why would it make it worse? Wouldn't that please the priests that he was following the law? Well, according to the law, the priests were the ones who had the authority over the people of God. Yet Jesus never consulted with them before he healed them. An example is when Israel would go to holy war, the, the leader would have to seek the priest's approval. Je Jesus didn't seek the priest's approval here. With his words, he commanded him and he was healed. He healed him from his own personal authority as our high priest because he alone had the power to do so. The priests didn't have this sort of power. They wanted the power. They had a thirst for power. And this corrupted them. So Jesus didn't go to them first. Yet the priest would still have to pronounce this man healed and clean and cleanse him with the washing commanded by Moses. And he says, let this be a proof or a testimony to them. A testimony of what? A proof of what? Was it just a proof of cleansing? Well, no. This healing was meant to prove something. And why didn't Jesus go to them for their approval? Well, because he was God with us. First, he was God with us. He was the Lord of the ceremonial law. If they recognized the healing, then they were expected to recognize the healer. That healer can only be God. The proof to them was that it was a witness that the kingdom of God had come and the king had come. They were to wake up and get with the program and seek salvation in the one who has come to give it. Jesus wasn't a lawbreaker. He was the just and justifier of the one who has faith in him. He was the one who put that law in place in the first place. All the other prophets and priests of old refrained from touching lepers as they were commanded to. But he was greater than any of them. He had all the right to reach out and touch his own creature that he made. He didn't break the law. He cured the leprous man and made him whole again. What law is there against that? Well, there is none. He was revealing who he was as this man's God and this man's great physician. Wherever his presence was, one touch would restore, would restore someone to health because his presence was life-giving and holy. He was the true Ark of the Covenant. Jesus was the author of life. And when the chief priests condemned him and put him to death on a cross... This healing was meant to be a witness or testimony against them. The kingdom of God has come and they refused to seek redemption. 
That was the purpose of it. Because he came not only to heal the leper, but he came also to redeem the priests, and they rejected him. They rejected him. They didn't need redemption because they, they were the sons of Abraham, quote-unquote. And this can be used as a warning for all of us, can it? He was not just a nice guy with healing powers to do good, but he was the Lord of the law. He was the Lord of the law. We ought to be sure that we are not rejecting this Lord. So he set aside his own ceremonial law as God to overturn the effects of sin and to redeem this man. As it says in our confession, that the ceremonial law was abrogated, or another word for done away with, in him. In redemption, the ceremonial law is set aside. We must remember what Jesus came to do. He came to fulfill the law in his body, to make a way of sinners to come to him, to come to God. And this is what he demonstrates here. He did away with the law for this moment so that this leper can make a way to him. That he may touch him and heal him totally, to redeem him totally. And remember what the law did. The law was only there to condemn and cast out. He came so that those who were cast out would come in. This is what happens here. He came so that those who were called not my people would be called my people. So he came to save and restore humanity for a new Eden. He came to make men whole and upright in holiness and in their fellowship with God. He did what the law couldn't do. He came to intervene. He came to call those who are sick, not those who are well or those who think they are well on their own. This is how he saves us. He saves us because he is a compassionate savior. Because he is the bearer of the judgment of the law. And because he is the Lord of the law. It is for these three reasons why he saved this man who was plagued with leprosy. We see the goodness of our God in what Jesus has done here. For these three reasons, he could be trusted to save us from our sin-plagued lives. What this text is trying to teach us is that Jesus is our only hope of being fully restored. He is the only one who can purify not only those who were declared unclean, but because those who are unclean because of their sin. All of us are unclean. All of us need the grace of God. Jesus is our only hope of salvation. This is what this text teaches us about Jesus. But now that he saved this leprous man, what did he expect from him? Well, he tells him. But the question is, what did this man do in response? Jesus sent him away. 
but he sternly charged him first to say nothing to anyone. And secondly, he says, to show himself to the priest as a testimony and for the cleansing ritual that Moses commanded. Jesus heals this man, saves this man, and gives him commands expecting him to obey. It is the same pattern for us. After he saves us, he expects obedience. He expects obedience. He calls us to obey the law, not the ceremonial law anymore, but the moral law. And he calls us to obey it his way. Because what do we think of when we first read this text? We name this guy an evangelist. What did this man do? Well, he didn't go to the priest, so he disobeyed one command. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. So he disobeyed a second command. We normally think of the situation as a good thing, and we normally apply it this way. Jesus saved me, and now I need to tell the world. That's often how it is preached, and that's great. And we should share him with the world. He no longer wants his identity to be kept to ourselves. But, that is missing the point. Because that is not what Jesus told him to do. Why? Why did Jesus tell him not to say anything? Well, it will interfere with his mission. It will interfere with his mission. It says, after he tells all these people... Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. He was messing with Jesus' ministry. They were probably people who didn't get a chance to hear because all these people were surrounding him for healing. They didn't get to hear his words and who he was. It says Jesus was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Uh, Just like Israel of old when they were uh, led out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they only sought God when he can do something for them. This guy really messed things up for Jesus. He may have had good intentions or a good heart, but he still disobeyed. Good intentions are not enough, by the way. If we still if we still disobey. We tend to miss that point here. He just revealed to him who he was, and he still didn't obey. He thought he knew better than Jesus. How often do we think we know better than Jesus? That's a picture of us. We think we know better than the one who saved us. We often think we know better than the Creator. That's why many are moving away from His Word today. We think we know better than Jesus. We think we know better than God. We think we know better than the one who gave us the law. We think we know better than Him when it comes to our marriages, our anger, our pride, adultery, lust, and how to love our neighbor.
And we must keep that in mind even today as we approach the Lord's table. Do we think we know better than Jesus? And unfortunately, there are those who often preach this message as if we can imitate Jesus as a healer with the same authority. But we miss the point that all of us are just sinful lepers who deserve to be cast out of God's kingdom. We miss that point here. Yet He saves us. And He reveals to us who He is as a compassionate Savior, the bearer of the law for us and the Lord of the law. Then we are called to obey Him on His terms, not our own. That's why we now have the Scriptures to teach us His ways. And like this leper on this side of the story, share this good news of our Savior with everyone. Let's pray that we do so. Amen.